This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea. Rahul, it's good to have you back. Let's talk a little bit this week about West Ham, the closest game we've had. We'll, we'll move on to Dortmund a little bit later, but we'll start with West Ham. Your thoughts on the game overall? I think you want to ask a, the bulk of the questions today, don't you? I do, because that's my way of, of letting the listeners know and letting um, the followers know that I actually did not wake up to watch this game. Uh, so I'd like to learn more about it from your side. But uh, I mean, I guess on the face of it, a 1-1 draw is, I'm not surprised. I did predict that. Uh, I just felt that the way we're going, we would get one, but something would give and, and we would give up a goal uh, after a few games of keeping clean sheets. And uh, that's kind of how it happened. But I know there's more to the story. So let's, why don't you run us through the uh, starting eleven? Yeah, before I do that, I think you did yourself some service by sleeping in because I know, <laughs> and I think we said this many times on the podcast, Rahul, is that for us fans in the USA, and I always feel for the ones in the the Western time zone because that's a 4.30 kickoff, if I'm not mistaken. And when Chelsea are willing, winning, look, it's brilliant. You sit there and you're, you're excited. But when it's it's a droll, boring, slow energy <laughs> game, and maybe I'm giving away already what happened in the game, but <laughs> it, it's tough to watch. But back to starting 11, I think Kepa and Goal, like we all said, I think that's something that's going to be a standard, even if Mendy comes back, but that remains to be seen. Reese James at right back, how lovely to have him consistently in the team. I hope he can stay fit. Thiago Silva just off signing a new contract as well. So that's brilliant to have him there. Badia Shiel, Rahul, I think Kudabali needs to maybe work a little bit harder, but Badia Shiel has cemented his place, at least in the Premier League, because he's not going to be in the Champions League squad. And Mark Kukurea, I smile a little bit at Mark Kukurea because we'll discuss him in, in depth in a few minutes here. The pivot was actually interesting because Enzo Fernandez, which you predicted and said he could play both roles, but Ruben Loftus cheek comes. To, to play beside him. We haven't seen Ruben for the best part of three-ish months, I want to say, since maybe before the World Cup. So good to have him back. Again, another one that splits Chelsea fans all the way down the middle. But coming into the three that are playing in the attacking roles, Mudrik gets into the team, which you predicted. Jao Felix behind the striker. Madueke gets the call up to be in the starting lineup on the right wing. And Kai Havertz seems to be the only man that can play strike these days for Chelsea. But that takes us through the starting 11. And it's a strong 11. I mean, I know when you and I did the prediction, we said uh, the back three out of the four we got. Enzo, obviously, we we knew Woodrick, Felix, Kai Havertz. I think we also knew. So the real surprises were Kukurea. And I know uh, you had a smile on your face when you mentioned him through, through the starting 11. And then Loftus-Cheek, I mean, he's come back, like you said, after a long time out. So uh, a tough game to come back to, but it shows you the trust that Potter has in him and, and maybe a little bit influenced by the fact that there's still some, some big names out in that position that could partner up with Enzo. Uh, but Loftus-Cheek always gives it his all, uh, his all when he comes in. And then Madueke, I mean, another one, I think... If Raheem Sterling was available, I think I, we had thought he would start, but yep. he's out with a knock. So uh, Madueke gets to continue in the starting 11. But look, on paper, I think this 11 should be uh, showing up and getting a, a, a win 
at a minimum. I mean, I know you'll you know you'll point at well, we had Badashile who just came in, in January, we had Enzo who came in January, Joe Felix who came in January, Mudrik, Madueke. So that's five out of the eleven, and I I agree that that takes time. But West Ham are struggling. I mean, there if there's any time to go away, and I know we struggle away uh, at West Ham. If there's any time to go away, this would have been it. But again, it wasn't a loss, so I I can't be too 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 critical. No, and look, I think you said it right. West Ham are struggling, and I think I texted you this, and for anybody listening or joining us on recent episode, Roll and I have kept up with Chelsea over text for the best part of 10 years now because we like to complain about what's going on during the game. And yes, he didn't get to watch it, but one of the interesting things I texted him afterwards was we gifted West Ham the points because this was a lost opportunity for Chelsea. The other teams around us, Rahul, didn't get the results that they needed. You know, Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool, they didn't get... Tottenham were actually battered as well. So they didn't get the results that everybody was, was thinking they would. And so it allows us with a win to close the gap a little bit. Obviously, I think it's going to be very difficult to get top four, but you want to make as much progression as you can there. And we're just allowing these situations to get away from us. But let's come back to starting 11. I want to talk a little bit about Kukurea. He's one that does not divide Chelsea fans at all. He has been atrocious for us recently. And I hate to say that because I'm not saying it in a toxic way because Chelsea fans and the online forums being a Chelsea fan has become extremely toxic in the last month, two months or so. And I can understand why, but maybe we'll be a little more critical and less toxic. He doesn't have a lot of forward progression with the ball, so we kind of see it stagnant towards the back. He doesn't seem to find a way to defend very well as well. In fact, he actually leaves his team exposed quite a bit, and we'll talk a little bit about that with Mudrik when we come to him. And unfortunately, him and Mudrik didn't seem to figure out each other. There was no passes between them. Kukurea would rather play to Enzo or Badiashil. It got to a point, Rahul, where as I'm watching, I think Badiashil and Silva gave up and said, you know what, we're not going to send the ball out to Kukurea and <laughs> Graham Potter makes a change. But you've been critical of Kukurea. I'd like to get your thoughts, even though you didn't watch the game, how you felt so far. I mean, look, it hasn't gone the way we thought, and and I don't think it is going to go the way we, we imagined when he came in back in August. Uh, for the rest of this season, at least, I'm not saying uh, there's no hope, but the, the hope that I had keeps dwindling away week after week seeing these performances. Uh, and I can't wait for Ben Chilwell to come back uh, to full fitness and, and be available to start games because... Uh, you can see the improvement that comes through when, when Chile comes in. And honestly, Kukurea, I think, may just, like we were saying with Mason Mount, Kukurea may just need some time yeah. out on the training pitch, showing that he can read, the, you know, read a game, read tackles, understand defending, and the, understand positioning. Because there is a player in there. I know he's young. Yeah. I know he's moved to London. I know it's his second season in the Premier League, and maybe... Uh, you know, he didn't struggle in the first one. He's not struggling in the second one. And, and that's his adjustment period. Uh, but, I mean, for 60, 65 million pounds or, or euros or whatever we spend on him, you would think there would be a little more output. But again, I know I've said this in the past. I know there's issues off the pitch. I know he's yeah. had health issues, family issues. But it sometimes the basics even if yeah. you're just doing that much, is is enough to have fans on your side. But right now it's getting to a point where something needs to change and he just needs to be given some time to get his head straight and get 
earn his place back is what I'm trying to say. No, you're absolutely right. And I think not only does something need to change, I think right now it's a risk to have him in the team. It's where I feel like there's a void there. You know, people made fun of Marcus Alonso, Raul. Even we criticized Marcus Alonso for the longest time. And he was a different kind of risk, right? Because he was fantastic going forward. I think he assisted the attack so brilliantly that he chipped in with so many goals. He might have been one of our top defending players that scored goals for like three, four seasons in a row, something like that. But yes, he lacked his defensively. I think with Kukurea now, you're seeing there's not really anything that he's doing to contribute, which is, it's sad to say, because even if his journey with Chelsea doesn't work out, right, there's no way Chelsea are going to recoup 50, 60 million for the player in the form that he's in right now. So I agree with you. If Ben Chilwell starts to find some fitness and can play more games, it might be interesting. And here's one food for thought. And as a listener, maybe you can write to us and tell us, maybe Lewis Hall needs to be ahead of Kukurea at this point in time and playing more games. That might be something we need to look at and, and go from there. But Let's Wait, move on. Even Aspie, Jackie, I, I'm just looking at yeah. the bench, right? And yes, Lewis Hall isn't there. Aspie has played left back before. And yes, he may not be the fastest. He may not be the same player he was two, three, four, five seasons ago. But he understands the game. He can read it. He's got the experience. Maybe we just play him if Lewis Hall is unavailable and, and you know, just solidify that a little bit and allow the likes of Mudrick yeah. to, to do their thing. Because right now it's not working with Ducare and... And who better to know this than Graham Potter, who's coached him for a year, is now coaching him for the last four or five months. And and that's where the question comes up is, yeah. why force it, right? Why force it and why put a player in a situation where if he ends up going on on social media or he ends up reading something online, even even just the media in general yeah. uh, with ratings and stuff, it's just knocking his, his confidence over and over again. And and we know football, as much as it's about talent, it's also a mental game. And at this point, I think mentally, he just needs some time away. 100% agree with you. I want to move to the top of the pitch. Maybe we can start at the tippity top of the pitch and talk a little <laughs> bit about Kai Havertz. Because I think we're on a trajectory of maybe criticizing a little bit, so we can kind of stick there. Kai Havertz has played, I think, maybe every single game nonstop as our number nine. We do have Obama Yang can't seem to get a game. In fact, there was, you know, links of him leaving the club right now. I don't know if that's going to progress or not. David Datra Fafana can't get a sniff in at this moment. Kai Havertz seems to have found a way to just be in there. But for a lot of Chelsea fans, Rahul, it's not that Kai Havertz doesn't try and doesn't put in a shift. It just doesn't work. And I think the easiest way to say this is you've got a square peg in a round hole. And for whatever reason, nothing comes off for him. So I want to talk about the game a little bit later, but let me get your thoughts on Kai Havertz first. There's, there's not much more to say, Jackie. It's uh, we, we sound like broken records at this point because you could basically take what we said a, a month ago and, and put it in now about Kai and uh, it's going to be the same. I mean, you get one goal maybe every 10 games or so uh, and we get the shh, don't, don't say anything. <laughs> but I mean... He's got to know it, too, that he's got to do better. And I think with Jao Felix and him settling into this 11, because you can see that he is a starting 11 player, even though we don't own him, uh, Jao Felix settling into the squad, settling into this in this 11, may unlock Kai Havertz a little bit better with the interchanging and the ability to maybe uh, drop down and Felix goes up top. But right now, I mean, 
and and maybe it's it's just a lack of choices, right? Aubameyang can't seem to get on the bench. Fofana, yes, he was on the bench, and yes, we saw a few uh, good things from him in the Fulham game. I think he's still very raw, um, and so maybe just experience, maybe no options, and Grand Potter has no choice. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know what more to say about Kai. <laughs> There isn't much to say more, and I think we'll leave it at that because I want to talk about kind of the gameplay in the first 25 minutes after we go through the starting 11. But what did you think overall of Mudrik and Madueke? I know we talked a little bit about Mudrik with Kukurea behind him, Madueke right in front of Reese James, and maybe Ruben lost his cheek around them. Unfortunately, they didn't get to produce a lot, but are you seeing signs that the talent is there? I know you just got to watch a few minutes, but even the few minutes of highlights you watched, there should be some clips of those two guys kind of doing a few tricks or passes or moves in towards the box from Madueke yes because he had the service from Mudrik I think he was isolated I think you said it right the ball instead of going into the left wing would end up in midfield or in defense and all of a sudden Mudrik's made a run and he's looking around he's like well what was that for happened three times happens four times so I think uh in the last game against Fulham we had Mason Mount kind of in that left center midfield, you know, blocking Mudrik's uh, path. In this game, Kukurea decided he just didn't want Mudrik to shine. <laughs> um, and that what was a little baffling was the change was made for Mudrik to come off before Kukurea. And um, I think, again, I, I come back to Ben Chowell and him coming back and hopefully connecting with Mudrik because we're going to be playing a back four system with two wingers and the fullbacks. Those two need to like know each other like the back yep. of their hands. Uh, one goes for a run, one makes an overlap, whatever it is, right? Whatever we're trying to do, they need to know each other's games. And I think long term, it's going to be Chile and Mudrik, and and hopefully that's going to be an improvement because Mudrik, again, and I'm going off of the first time I saw him against Liverpool, which was like 25, 30 minutes. The talent's there. Yep. Now, yes, not a lot of teams will give you this space like Liverpool, so it's up to us to find him. Yep. Uh, but again, we're if we're not doing it and he's making runs and getting frustrated, his confidence could take some knock too, and and the manager subs him off, and that's another hit on his ego, if you want to call it, um, because he's like, I work hard in training, I do what I need to do, I'm starting games, but ultimately any attacker is good is as good as the service behind them, and in this case, he's he's not getting it. I have to agree with you. I think there is definitely a situation where maybe Mason Mount blocked him or Kukurea was the issue in this case. And it'd be lovely for him to play with Ben Chilwell. My unpopular opinion, Rahul, on on Mudrik and Madueke is that at some point, these are quality footballers. And you said it yourself. You've seen it in the few minutes that he did fantastic against Liverpool. Madueke had a good run out against Fulham. At some point, as Chelsea fans, we're super excited to say, it's this person's fault or it's that person's fault. Let's blame the left back. Let's blame the center midfielder. Let's blame the service. Great. But I want these type of players, the Mudriks, the Madueques, the Jao Felixes, and we'll talk about them in a minute, make something happen out of nothing. And that's what an Aiden Hazard was famous for. If he gets the ball, which I know they got on a couple of occasions, make that driving run, make that dribble, because that's what I'm, I'm missing is... Mudrik and Madueke carry that ball forward, make a cross, make something happen. And yes, it's early days, but so far, maybe that's my unpopular opinion. Give them a little bit of time, but they need to make something out of uh, out of the ball that they're getting. Otherwise, it, it, we can't keep blaming everybody else on the pitch. And, and that's fair. I mean, there's always two sides to every story or coin. And 
yes, Mudrik and, and Madueke can do more, but mm-hmm. maybe when they're receiving the ball, their option isn't there to do what they want to do. So uh, I hear you and I agree with you. I think if ultimately they want to shine and, and continue to you know grow their name and grow themselves, they need to end up doing certain things themselves. But again, it's a team sport. And so uh, like, like Joe Felix receives a beautiful pass from Enzo, uh, I think the other two would benefit from similar kind of vision and 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 you know finesse in the sense that just connect them with that pass and let's see what they can do. Let's let's talk about Jao Felix because you opened that window very quickly because I think we've been <laughs> negative. Let's go to the positives. We saw him for fifty odd minutes, I think, against his in his debut against Fulham, and then he gets the red card and. Rahul, in 50 minutes, Chelsea fans were saying, I've seen enough, sign the boy up, he's brilliant, he can replace half the team, and then Enzo comes along, it's like, these two are going to cook together, and ironically, these two end up cooking together, Rahul, it's probably the brightest spark in the game, but Jao Felix now, two appearances, I'll call it one and a half because of the red card, but he seems to dictate the play, he seems to want the ball, which I think is a big thing. Not everybody I've seen in recent times for Chelsea with the morale have been excited and demanding to want the ball. Both Enzo and Jao Felix are wanting the ball. Jao comes deep. He goes behind the strikers. He runs left. He runs light. He's kind of finding the room and calling for the ball. What did you make of his performance? And you, are you going to sign Jao Felix at the end of the season? I think it was a it was a great performance. I think it's something that we've been lacking uh, the last few games, which is like you said, just movement, just the ability to make that run, just the ability to offer something to the midfielders or defenders, uh, and it may not always be you know the run that he makes for for the goal or the run that he ends up going and, and scoring, but it's offside. Uh, it's just simple things where he is an option for them to give it to him, and he can look around and say, you know what, Mudrik's making the run, I can give it to him. Um, so as much as I was saying Kukurea is an issue with, you know, Mudrik's side, the more he plays with Jao Felix and Enzo and, you know, whoever ends up playing with Enzo in midfield and uh, on the other side on the right wing, I think that will slowly come and that's going to take time because all these guys are greatly talented, but now they've got to, like you said, cook together. Uh, so we have top of the notch ingredients. Now they just have to work together and the chef, uh, being the manager has to all get them to work. But I think coming back to Jao Felix, I was a little skeptical, Jackie, because I have seen him for Atletico the last, I want to say four years, maybe he's been there. And what they spent on him and what he came, the reputation he came with was not what I had seen. And so, you know, when we were linked to him and all the money that we paid to bring him in, I was a little skeptical. I was like, I don't know. Is he coming on vacation? Is he coming on uh, you know, just to kind of get a different view of Europe in London and, and then go back. But you can clearly tell that he's on a mission and he wants to show not just Chelsea fans, but the world that for the last four years, what we've seen is maybe driven by the system, right? driven by, you know, Simeone and how Atletico end up playing. But in a team that controls the ball like we do, in a team that has the ball most of the time, he can be that person that carries you and, and maybe even turns into your star player uh, by the end of the season, uh, which is weird because, like you said, we've seen him for a game and a half, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, he could be our star player. But I think I would sign him if the, the deal's right. He could be a great addition to the squad. But again, the pieces around him also need to click and, and work together with him. 
and I think they'll all cook together. So you heard it here first. Rahul is going to try to sign Jao Felix if the deal is right. And look, another I loan think, would be would be fine too. Yeah, I think if it's something where all parties are are happy and they can find a, a good middle ground. Obviously, from my perspective, I think I'd like to see two, three more games. Not that it's just a new team, a new system, a little bit of excitement, almost like a new manager bounce. Maybe it's a new player bounce because he came from such a defensive system to a free flowing system. If he can keep it up, and I think. The key is he doesn't have to score a goal every game. I think we've all agreed and understood that. It's just how involved he is and how much he can do with the game overall. But let's talk about the number five. I saved him for the end, Rahul, because a lot of expectation on Enzo Fernandez's shoulders, not because he's a fantastic player, because he is a fantastic player. I think it comes down to deadline day in January, the amount of money we spent. We're having midfield problems. A lot of people said for Enzo to be a successful signing, which I disagree with, he needs to be a 10 on 10 in every single game. Now, I know that he's human and that may happen, but so far it's looking so good, my friend, and I don't want to jinx it. Did you get a chance to see a couple of snippets of Enzo? Because he dictates the play for most of the game. I did, and I mean, that, that's what we bought him for. I think when we did the uh, episode around where he was announced and we looked at you know his time at Benfica and what he likes to do, that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to be involved in the defensive side. He wants to be in the, involved in the attacking side. He wants to be involved in transition. Um, and he's got the engine for it, and he's got the energy to to do it. So uh, it's a signing that I think was long overdue, and it's something that we're already seeing the benefit of. But again, it's something that's still new to the squad. They're still learning him, and, and the midfield is kind of like the heart of the team where uh, they need to know what that that person's going to be doing. His partner needs to know what he's going to be doing, and he's played with Gallagher and now Loftus Cheek. So that's he needs to form a strong partnership with whoever that person ends up being. Uh, but I think from what I've seen, he's again not uh, over a hundred was hundred five hundred seven million pound signing uh, just yet. But again, the market is is what it is for the potential, and the potential is certainly there. Uh, and so I'm I'm excited. I think it's a signing we very, very much needed. It refreshed the midfield a little bit. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing if we bring in a new partner for him or if N'Golo Conte comes back in, Kovacic comes back in. That certainly adds a different element to to the midfield versus having maybe a Connor or Loftus-Cheek. And no disrespect to them, it's just different standards. Look, one thing I'll say about Enzo Fernandez, Rahul, and, and I hate to compare and not knock Chelsea players because... Everybody's done something to bring value to Chelsea over the years. But I'm going to compare Enzo Fernandez directly to Jorginho for a couple of minutes because I think similar position, same number, playing that midfield, deep playmaker, regista role, whatever you want to call it. As I watched this game and I got to really spend time looking at Enzo because, like I said, he wants to dictate the play. He comes so deep between Badiashil and Silva to collect the ball, which... In fairness, Jorginho did that too. But then Enzo carries that ball way past the halfway line and picks out a fantastic pass, whether it's to the winger or to the, to the attacking midfielder or to the striker and Kai Havertz in this case. And then within minutes of losing the ball, he's right back, tracking back to pick it back up again, make a great stop and carry that ball forward again. So he's the missing piece that we were expecting from Jorginho. And yes, he's younger than Jorginho and he's a different player, but... I don't mean to knock Jorginho. It's just easy to see the upgrade, dare I say, where he's able to <laughs> actually recover the ball and carry it forward and make something happen. Again, 
early days, but that's my hot take on Enzo Fernandez for now. And, and I'm excited to see where this goes in the next few days. No, I definitely am too. And when you're talking about him dropping deeper and then progressing it, as the team learns that you can expect the runs to be made yep. as soon as he picks it up and makes a couple of steps forward and he can put it over the top and, and he has that ability. So I think it's, again, it's a matter of time and I'm not saying, you know, that in a month's time we're going to be unbeatable because that's not how football works. But the pieces that we put into place certainly need time to shine and, and it's good in a way that we did it in January because we know that this season's almost pretty much a write-off in the sense that top four looks like it's done. There's no domestic trophies to play for. Yes, there's Champions League, but what do we always say when a new manager comes in? He needs preseason and he needs games. Well, no preseason, I get that, but doesn't get better than having competitive games where things are on the line. You know, even if we don't lose, we're trying to fight and get the points, or if we don't win, we're trying to defend ourselves. And that's where the, the, you get to know the best of your players. And I think I'm trying to see the positive off it. Like, yes, I'd love for us to be in a top four race. And I, I told you, I, I wish we were winning some of these games because we're then closing the gap on Newcastle. But putting that aside, I think in the summer, you come back and you've had 10, 12 Premier League games already under your belt and you're still considered new signings. I think that's a great situation to be in. It will be a very great situation overall, but I want to talk about Graham Potter towards the end of it. Let's run through some key moments in the game. I think we only performed really well, Rahul, for 20-ish odd minutes, and maybe you have the stats for me. I think we had something like 70% of the ball in the first half. West Ham were just kind of sitting back, and and honestly, they were happy to sit back, but I think there were three key takeaways in, in that first 20, 25 minutes, and the three key takeaways were the goals was we were actually creating something, making chances, which is which is exciting to see because Jao Felix shows his class and his touch and is able to chip the goalkeeper. Okay, he's offside. I'm not upset about it. It shows that he's getting into the right positions, has the, the presence of mind to actually finish and not just blast it out wide or panic and it just hits it straight at the goalkeeper. Positives there. Kai Havertz finds the back of the net and everybody in Chelsea is losing their mind because he's scoring a goal and it's excited. It's offside. I get it. It's all right. Nothing wrong with that. But the goal that comes is a direct link between Enzo Fernandez and Jao Felix. And Rahul, they've only played together one time. Yes, they played together in training, but they figured out how to find each other, make that run. And it's going back to the point you said, imagine everybody gets used to each other in the next two, three, four games. There's multiple trainings in between, of course. But if they get used to each other, you want to be able to close your eyes and say, I know that this guy's going to make this run or this guy's going to cut in and make space for the other guy to come through or our striker drops deep so two guys can go between. There's so many possibilities and that alone makes me excited. But the two of them linking up in the first 25 minutes, Chelsea looked like a real force to to be reckoned with if everything clicks. If if everything clicks and, and we can do it for more than 25 minutes. So that's the challenge. I think uh, it will get better hopefully well i certainly hope so but i think over time you know like we've been saying it's it's this kind of mentality of i know what enzo is going to do i know what reese james is going to do i know what joe is going to do and yes injuries will happen suspensions will happen but then the next person that comes in needs to be able to basically do the same thing 
so that you don't feel a change or a drop. Because you look at what Liverpool have done over the last, mm. and I know this season is a little bit off, but over the last seven seasons, you know what Trent's going to do. You know what Robertson's going to do. You know what is going to do. Salah is going to do. But you couldn't stop them. And that was the beauty of it. Same thing with Man City. You know what they're going to do. And yes, there's tweaks along the way. But you can't stop them because they consistently do it and wear you down where when you have a, a lapse of concentration is when they hit you. And that's what we, we need to get to that point. There's still a lot of time to go. It's not going to happen over the next five, six games, not even the next four or five months. But we're heading in the right direction. And and I think that's the the benefit of having all these new guys in at the same time, right? They all get to kind of settle in, uh, learn each other, and then hit the ground running next season. Again, next season could be a whole different story, but that's that's what makes football a beautiful thing is the hope, which will also kill you. <laughs> Listen, you said four or five months. I think a lot of Chelsea fans and listeners are not going to take four or five months, and so it needs to gel a little bit quicker than that. But Reese James was in an interview this morning, and Rahul, he said the same thing was – You've got a lot of new faces. Some of them don't speak the language. They don't understand the culture. They don't understand the Chelsea way of playing, which a lot of people argue, what is Chelsea's way of playing? But that's something that's coming together right now. And so maybe not four or five months, but maybe over the next four games, five games, we might see some improvements there. So exciting times overall. But I want to talk about the good, bad, and the ugly, I guess. We've talked a little bit about the the good, a little bit of the ugly in some of the players and how they've been playing. Bad, I think it's just a blip, but it looks like Madueke and James go to sleep after the 25 minutes of good performance. And maybe Chelsea fans are calling for this left back to have never been sold because he was fantastic <laughs> on the day. Emerson sneaks in at the, the wide post and tucks it into the net from a good cross. And at the end of the day, Rahul, respect to him. He was always a loyal person, never really complained, was second, third fiddle at some point. And hopefully he can find his time and way at West Ham. And credit to him, he didn't celebrate either. So... A lot of respect to Emerson overall. There's not much more for me to add. I mean, (laughs) it happens. Let's talk about the second half because I'm saving a few minutes for Graham Potter towards the end of this segment. But second half, for whole, not much to report. Graham Potter doesn't make changes maybe in a timely fashion. I know a lot of Chelsea fans were calling for that. But let's jump to the quickest or the biggest issue, controversy, I don't know what to call it, but Chelsea have a golden opportunity. And golden is is a <laughs> a very favorable term, I'll say. We have an opportunity through Conor Gallagher who came on. He takes a shot from outside the box. It seems to be heading on target. And I say on target, not to goal. And Thomas Chuchak comes out to block, changes <laughs> his body angle, falls to the ground, and his hand deflects the ball very, very clearly away from goal. There are calls for VAR reviews. The referee doesn't see it. Ultimately, it's not given. And here's a few things I'm I'm going to say before I pass it over to you. Every one of Chelsea's goals were VAR reviewed for offside, <laughs> and that's fine. Declan Rice had an offside called on him when they were about to score a goal as well. That was reviewed. All that goes down. In the last two or three weeks, other teams have had big VAR issues. Apologies have come out saying there was a mistake. Ultimately, this goes down. It's not reviewed, or at least it's not reviewed during the game time. Afterwards, no apology issued to Chelsea. What do you make of the whole situation about VAR, the decision, and does it cost us the three points? 
look, I don't want to say it cost us the three points because a lot of the game had happened up until that point. Yes, it was at the last minute, and basically, if you scored, you you get the point. But I get. I let me address the handball first. It's a hundred percent a handball because yep. what else? What other call are you going to give there if you <laughs> see the ball deflect, going on goal, get hit someone's arm and go out for a corner? Uh, so that's the baffling part of it is the referee doesn't see it great. We have video assistant referee now, VAR. They was definitely looked at the same replays, if not even more angles than you and I did. Um, or, you know, even even the supporters that were watching at home. So it begs the question is, what did they, how was the decision made to say no, no penalty? And then there has been no, like you said, no, no apology, no review of the review to be like, well, we may have got it wrong in the moment, human error, whatever it is. Uh, and then for West Ham fans to come out and say, well, at Stamford Bridge, we had a big, big uh, decision that went against us. So this kind of some makes it fair. I'm like, so basically, I can go commit a crime because I was a victim of a crime. Like that makes that makes absolutely no sense. Um, but look, it's again, I go back to what I said earlier. There was a large chunk of that game where we could have been two one up, we could have been three one up, we could have been three two, whatever. We could have been up at that point where we're not relying fully on the situation. Yes, I get the situation, and I know that. It could have changed the the outcome of the game, but I don't like to rely on penalty calls. We've gone for years saying Manchester United get penalties all the time. We've called <laughs> Fernandez Fernandez, and we've called Ronaldo Ronaldo, whatever, right? Um, so I I take what you're saying with the VAR call, and I agree that there should have been a review, that it should have been a decision that was made one way or another, and not just ignored. But I also like to look at internally ourselves and say, well, what could we have done better to have just won that game outright where we're not relying on, on this of this kind of a situation? But the technology and the referees and everything needs to be better because this isn't the first time we're going to be talking about it and certainly not the last. And you notice I asked you the question about VAR because any long-term <laughs> listeners of the TPC know I absolutely hate it and I don't like talking about it. So... I echo your sentiments. I think Chelsea need to do a better job of putting the game to bed super early and not worry about what the referees are going to do to us. If we're getting those three goals, four goals, which I know we're capable capable of with the squad, I don't care about these VAR calls anymore. I'm not going to mess with the referees. So I wonder who would have taken it, though. There's a lot of talk of Reese James has been a fantastic penalty taker, and we've seen him do that. We know Mudrik might have that up his his sleeve. Wasn't, maybe wasn't Enzo. on the pitch, though. Yeah, you might see Kai Havertz step up and be the icy German we know he can be on some days. So <laughs> I see you shaking your head there. You're not in agreement. But <laughs> let's move on and wrap up the segment, Rahul. I want to talk a little bit about Graham Potter. I think as I opened this segment, we talked about how toxic things have gotten in the Chelsea space between fans, some saying Graham Potter out, while the other fans are saying give him the time to do what he needs to do. I want to get your opinion overall in this game, his selection of his team, his substitutions, his post-match co- conference about how he spoke about the VAR calls, and then maybe what you think of him overall so far. I think none of what I'm about to say matters because 
the owners have come out or, or something has come out of Chelsea today saying we support him. We're in this for the long haul. We fully understand that we may not make Champions League this season and that is fine because we believe he is the right man and it's a matter of years, not months, where we make a decision. So let's just get that out of the way because you and I may have certain opinions and I, and I don't think we disagree with what the owners are suggesting. Uh, but I also have to realize that as a Chelsea fan, as Chelsea fans, we've come to expect a certain level of passion, a certain level of desire, a certain level of defending the club and, and calling out the referees in certain cases like this. Uh, even if, you know what, it lands you in a fine and it gets you in the hot water of the FA, you're endearing yourself to the fans. And ultimately, that's what, apart from what happens on the pitch, I think Graham Potter needs to endear himself with the fans and say, you know what, I'm fully Chelsea. I'm fully committed to this cause. It doesn't matter what happens with how many players we bring in. It doesn't matter what happens with what results we're getting. I'm going to fight for the club on and off the pitch. And sometimes that's all it takes. You and I aren't going to say, well, Graham Potter needs to go out and, and you know win us every single game because we understand that's not possible. But when the call is being made and, and I said, yes, we need to look internally, he could have at least said something like that or said, you know what, it's a total disgrace. VAR needs to look at themselves. Whatever it was, for the way he came out and said, yeah, I just looked at it and um, sometimes you get those, sometimes you don't, and it's a fine call. And it's like, well, where, where you're supposed to be the spokesperson for the club. You're supposed to be the spokesperson for the, the players. For all you know, just create a little bit of what Jose Mourinho used to do, us versus <laughs> them. And, and this presents you with that opportunity where you say, you know what, boys, we really deserve to win that game. And I know it may have come down to a penalty call, but we should have gotten that. And it's, you know, we're, we're up against it with all these calls or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a manager, but I sound a little more passionate right now than, than he did. <laughs> um, so that's, I, and maybe again, I think with him, he's put into a situation where he knew the magnitude of it, but I don't think he realized how big of a jump and, and what was happening in and around the club when he came in. Um, and so I think you can see from his body language, from his expressions, from his demeanor, that he's a little like just exhausted. Yeah. I know he had a month off with, with the world cup, but I'm sure things were going on in the background and, and it doesn't help Jackie that every single time he takes the mic, Someone from the media has to ask him how he's going to manage 30-plus players. He's answered that before the Fulham game. He's answered that after the Fulham game. He's answered that before the West Ham game. He's answered that after the West Ham game. And his answer doesn't change. I could repeat that same answer for you right now if you ask me what grandfather <laughs> said. So I think they just need to move on and ask him something different. I mean, ask him about Kukurea. Put him in a situation where he has to maybe defend a player or or come out and say something against a player to get them to perform in the next game. But it's very like, meh, yeah, it was okay. You know, we'll do better. We want to win every game. And it's like, it, it, I don't know. I And I get I'm comparing him to Jose Mourinho and Conte, and I know Carlo Ancelotti was a complete opposite, and he still got the results, so it doesn't really matter. But in a time like this, where we've come off of Tuchel, who basically ripped Conte's arm out <laughs> earlier this season <laughs> to going to someone that's very like mellow and, and maybe we just need to get a, adjusted to it. But 
like to see a little more fire, a little more passion from him. And maybe he gets sent off from the sideline, but at least it shows you that he's he's caring and he's he's in this and he wants something. I don't know. It's just I want to give him the time. I want him to see, succeed. I want him to do the best he can for the club because clearly he's he's done it in the past. But give me something to hold on to because right now the results aren't there. The passion isn't there. Who only the only thing there's there is Kukurea playing every single game. <laughs> Rahul, I'm glad we got this on video and on tape. I'm going to send this to Todd Bowley as your audition to be the next Chelsea manager because <laughs> I, I think I have to agree with you. Your passion speaks volumes, and that's what we're not seeing as Chelsea fans from Graham Potter. And, and maybe he's a different character and a different personality. And so I give him the benefit of the doubt there that, fine, he doesn't get excited. He doesn't get aggressive. He doesn't get defensive. He's very composed. That's fine. And it's definitely a shift coming from Thomas Tuchel, who really in the height of a media storm managed it so fantastically everything from Roman Abramovich as the owner and all of the things going in around him when the war was going on to being sanctioned to a new ownership to spending 300 million and expecting results I think he handled and, and even going further back to when we got rid of Frank Lampard which is huge in itself to come into and fill those shoes so I think we have to get adjusted to he's just going to be a, a passive character on the sideline and I think here's where I'll kind of move on from there it's worrying to see as an outsider because is that the same tone and the same conversations that are motivating the players maybe not at at kickoff but when we're at a one one with west ham is that the halftime speech you win some you lose some is that the halftime speech of we'll we'll get one eventually is that the halftime speech yeah we have 30 players but we'll keep everybody happy at some point and i hate to say it this way a lot of these egos will get up and say the gaffer doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't know what he's doing. And again, I could be wrong. We're just speculating. And that's the fun of you and I getting to chat about something like this. But that's my worry is that there's no energy to the public, which means, hopefully I'm wrong, there might be no energy to the players. And so when you see them come out in the second half and they're lethargic, nothing happens. We're praying for a VAR penalty so we can win the game. Again, I hope I'm wrong. Overall, I think I do agree we need to give time, not necessarily because it's Graham Potter. I think whoever the ownership would have brought in, I think, needs a, a full season. The last criticism I will say, though, Rahul, every time Chelsea have brought in a new manager, they have found a way to do that managerial bounce back for a little bit, which we did have under Graham Potter for a few weeks. But the speed at which it declined leads me to, to to believe that those halftime talks or those team talks are not as passionate as they could be. And, and as you're saying that, Jackie, I'm thinking about, okay, if it's just words, right, and he, and he wants to communicate through the words and not get angry or excited. I mean, Eric Ten Hag earlier this season or before the season started, errors come to an end. And that, that was it when he was asked about City and Liverpool. And you see him now sitting third closing in yep. on city and all of a sudden you're looking around and you're like errors actually do come to an end because <laughs> city are are not what they were liverpool are not what they were and all of a sudden united are back to where you know where they should be or or thought they should be and everyone's talking about errors and all what they errors come to an end and i'm looking around and i'm like literally he's just got lucky because he had no idea that city or liverpool were going to be as you know going to have a down year but here he is all of a sudden his players are like you know what the manager knows 
knows what he's talking about or, or has gotten us in a position where we're challenging Man City. And they believe it. I mean, Marcus Rashford, Jackie, was absolute garbage last season. <laughs> and this season, he can't stop scoring. For You you just expect to go into a game and Rashford is on the score sheet. So that's what I'm saying is I'm not saying Potter needs to continuously be passionate and, and overdo it because obviously that's not what he is. But sometimes make a statement by not making a major statement and just have some words that can be held on to and take you far away. It's a valid point, Rahul, and I'll stick with Manchester United, right? It may not be words. It may be sending Jadon Sancho to a training camp. That makes a big statement. It may be saying Cristiano Ronaldo is not going to start. That makes a big statement. It's not words to the media or screaming or passionate. It's it's action sometimes. And so as Chelsea fans, I think the actions are dropping Mark Kukurea, dropping Kai Havertz. And again, I don't mean that because I hate any of these players. I, I want to stop that toxic relationship that Chelsea fans have with each other. I think it's the reality of the situation of if you're just not a screamer, which is fine, you're not a passionate person in front of the media, that's fine. But maybe the actions are things that you can see that make a change and says he's not good enough, he's off. But to the media saying, I have 30 players. I've got to rotate, and that's the end of it. But it does send it does send a message, and we'll figure it out from there. But let, let's move on from the game. I think overall Chelsea will take some time to figure out their stride, but we don't have a lot of time because we're moving into Champions League nights again, Rahul, and we're playing Borussia Dortmund. What do you make of this draw? I think if you had asked this this at the beginning of the season, we would probably take it and be happy with it. But with the form we're in now and how things are going... How do you feel about this game? And and before you talk, Borussia Dortmund is going to have one of the biggest sellout stadiums with 81, 82,000 fans. The first time, I think, in the history that they're doing that. Yeah, I mean, the, the usual capacity, I think, is 61,000. So uh, with, I think, UEFA increasing and allowing standing and all of yep. that, we're going to be there with over 80,000 fans from from germany and i think only three thousand chelsea fans which credit to them for for going out there uh but the atmosphere there jackie is going to be absolutely rocking and uh maybe Graham Potter doesn't even need to do anything because the players will will definitely be hearing it from from the home fans and and that should motivate them enough to maybe shut them down yeah uh but it's the first time chelsea played dortmund ever in the history of of european competition so that in itself is a, a is a big moment uh, and the other thing is Dortmund are winless in their last 10 games against English teams. Uh, we know how that goes when Chelsea comes up against <laughs> teams that are, are looking for a win. Uh, but let's see how, we'll, let's see what we do. Um, Chelsea have only won three of their 11 previous away games against German side. So this really sounds like a draw to me, uh, which will be fine. We'll take it. Uh, Graham Potter could become just the second English manager to win away from home against German opposition in UEFA competitions. So he's he's about to maybe make some history, but we'll see. Uh, and in the, in the Bundesliga, Dortmund is sitting third, three points off of Bayern at the top. So not a bad season for them. And, and they're always one that will make it tough at home and, and make it tough away. So it's not an easy game by any any stretch of the imagination. And, and I think when we made got this draw, we were in a whole different mind frame that, oh, we just, you know, survived the group and we came back after losing the first game and not winning the second one. And and here we are top. It's going to be tough and, and it's going to be a game where we really need to manage the game. We need to, yes, we'll control the ball. Yes, we'll control 
you know, the tempo, but in transition when Dortmund are going to hit us with, with, you know, their young talent and Jude Bellingham and, and Gio Reyna and Holler and all of those guys, how are we going to manage it? And are we going to going to succumb to the, the, the pressure of the, of the yellow wall, as they say, or are we going to stand tall and say, you know what, we're Chelsea. We won the champions league a few years ago. Most of these guys were there. We're, we're able to navigate and get through this. Only time will tell, but it's, Definitely a fascinating tie. No, look, and I think Dortmund are a team that we should be respecting, Rahul. I think, again, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season when things were okay, this would would be a tie I would have hoped for because with all due respect to Dortmund, they're a fantastic team. And over the years, they have managed to crank out some fantastic talents that are playing all across Europe right now. But we at the time were spending heavily. We were excited but now we come to them at a point where we're very poor in form. They're very good in form. Jude Bellingham, one of their main stars, Marco Ruiz, who you, you might call him a veteran of the game, but he's been there, done that, and done some fantastic things. I think the only hope I can take from this, Rahul, is when Chelsea have performed very well in the Champions League, we've usually had bad runs in the league and other competitions. And so <laughs> maybe the Champions League is a refresher. Maybe it's a break that we need, but... Boy, I do tell you, with 81, 82,000 fans there, it's definitely not going to be an easy task. Do you want to do a predicted 11? I mean, it's difficult, but we, we can try. Yeah, before I get into that, you you bring up a good point and have reminded me of a question that I thought of earlier. Uh, and so I definitely want to ask you, but also ask the listeners, and, and we can put it up on the social media too. But we last won the league in 2017, Jackie. Since then... Do you think we've transitioned over to more of a knockout football team, knockout tournament? So you look at it, we made Carabao Cup final in 19 with Sari. We made it again in 22 with Tuchel. We made the FA Cup final in 2018 under Conte, 2020 under Lampard, 21 under Tuchel, 22 under Tuchel. We've gone to a Champions League final. So it just suddenly feels like a task of managing a 38-game season for the league is something that we kind of can do. But when it comes down to you got seven games to get to a final or you got six games or four games, whatever it is, wherever we you know start off or, or pick up in, in the knockout tournament, we tend to just make it to the final at least. We, we don't win them in all cases. But uh, do you think the club and the mentality right now within the squad, because this squad has kind of stayed the same at least the core is knockout football this is where the rubber meets the road and we we get ourselves together it's a great question and this is just my opinion i don't think so i think that we've just been unfortunately very inconsistent as a team and for a team like chelsea to win the premier league you have to be incredibly consistent it's it's complete polar opposite of winning the Champions League. And our, our dear friend Alex, if he was here, would say this because he's talked about winning the Euros or winning the World Cup or winning the Champions League is that it is open to anybody because you don't have to be consistent for nine months in a row. You have to be consistent on the night that you're playing the opposition only. And so I look at it this way and I say, we have the talent, we have the squad, we have the squad depth to be consistent in a Premier League. And so then we ask the questions about the self-motivation, the self-belief, the hunger, the drive, the energy, all the things that you see from a Manchester City, 
from a Liverpool, from the Chelsea teams of old under the Contes and the Mourinho's and the Ancelotti's that were consistent week in, week out. Chelsea of recent times have invested heavily, bought brilliant players in different positions, and unfortunately we've bought them for different managers at different times as well. And so individual brilliance at any point in time, whether it's an Aiden Hazard dragging us to the finish line or an N'Golo Kante or a Didier Drogba going back into times, individually could win a game by themselves on a night. But when it comes to the league consistency, that's where I think Todd Bowley is trying to make a difference now where we can be a powerhouse in all competitions for the next five, six years to go. And that's a, I, I, I take that, you know, well, because I, I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, on, on, on the face of it, we, we do better in knockout football, but that's, that's not who we are because we tend to win pretty regularly in the Premier League, maybe not recently, but uh, <laughs> win, you know, games on a run. And, and then we obviously slip up against the lesser teams, but I don't know, maybe it's just in these bigger knockout games where like if it's not this we go home we might as well yep. put all our you know all our effort here and then and fight for another day so it's it's an interesting one and i don't know you know if we i know a lot of people say we oh chelsea will win the champions league because that's what you do <laughs> i i don't know i i don't see it happening but if i if i get corrected i'll be the happiest person uh, <laughs> on the planet but let's do a starting 11 so i think keppa keeps his position uh a natural choice Reese James, I think, yep, continues 100%. as well. Yep, has to be. Thiago Silva, I think, plays. Uh, Badishile, who didn't make it, is the one that will drop out. So who do you see coming in? Fofana, I think, is back in training. Kulabali is obviously an option. Or Trevor Chaloba. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one because I think it's too soon for Fofana to come back in. Although it'd be great to have him there. It'd be fantastic with his height and his pace. It's really going to be a toss-up between KK and Chaloba. I think KK needs some redemption, Rahul, and I think logistically we may be thinking in the summer clear out it'll be easier to sell Chaloba and make pure profit on that rather than what we invested into KK. And so I think they'll give KK that time to play and, and build himself back up and get into team. So KK for me. And and what a way to come back in front of 81,000. There you go. <laughs> uh, who plays on the left with at left back? Are you Bukurera again? I mean, I know you and I would say Chile, but I don't know if he's ready to start just yet i'll put a lamppost back there rather than kukure at this point in time and I, and I mean that with the most respect but really at this point i would put a lamppost back there than kukure but i think chilwell needs to start the game and if he cannot finish and it's 60 odd minutes through there then maybe kukure can come in and, and cover or even lewis hall at that point in time if he's available okay and then let's get into midfield are we going with the pivot I think that's what he's favoring, and I think you're starting to see, Rahul, he's picking at least eight or nine consistent players. He's trying to find his first 11. So pivot with definitely Enzo is going to come into that middle. And then uh, you think Kukur, I mean, uh, Kukur, Gallagher or Loftus-Cheek? You have Kukurea too much on your mind. He's not going to be playing that <laughs> pivot either. I think Ro Loftus-Cheek did okay, but maybe with him also coming back from injury, he's not going to be able to play back-to-back games. So I would imagine that Gallagher will get the start for this one. Yeah, and it also depends. I know Kovacic was out yep. over the weekend, but if he's you know back and and feeling good, he may he may end up getting the start too. Uh, let's move to the three behind the behind Kai Havertz. I'm not even going to say behind the striker because I know Kai <laughs> is going to play. Uh, is is Mudrik playing this one? Yeah, I think I would stick with Mudrik, and I would also stick with Jao Felix behind the striker. I think both of those guys would be good enough. The right wing is where it's a little bit of a toss up, so I'll pass that back over to you. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to if, if Raheem Sterling is, is fit or ready, uh, maybe he starts. But otherwise, I think Madueke will, will continue. Uh, I'm just looking at some news that we're seeing. Definitely Pulisic is out. N'Golo Conte is out. Uh, Kovacic, maybe. Mason Mount, again, could be an option yep. to play uh, in that front three as well. But I think let's go with Madueke. It's just a more natural fit. And then I already told you who's playing up top, and and I think there's no no debate there. <laughs> That's going to be another tough one for Chelsea fans to watch. But look, Kai Havertz needs a goal. Hopefully, he can get his goal and shush us up all up for another ten games. But maybe a score prediction from you, Rahul. I I think I said it at the top. I think it's set up for a draw. So I'm going to go for a one-one. I think you have a lot more faith than me these days. I think. 82, 81,000 fans. Chelsea's still not gelling. I think Dortmund are going to take us 2-0. And it's going to be a tough one to watch. But maybe, maybe by the time the return <laughs> fixture comes in, we'll be gelling and we can come back in the game. But I think we're going to lose this game 2-0 to Dortmund. And wouldn't that be a result to divide the fans further? But, hey, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting game. Champions League is back, and that's always exciting. And I think if we manage it, we can come away with the result. But... Again, they've got they've got some some very good players, and Jude Bellingham coming up against our star boy, who's not changed. I think uh, maybe a month ago I would have named a different star boy, but I'm going to go with Joao Felix, uh, and hopefully Joao Felix comes out on top. But uh, before we go, Jackie, I just have to give a shout out to the Chelsea women who beat West Ham seven nil. <laughs> I'm going to repeat that seven nil. <laughs> Just leave it at uh, that and they, take us away. <laughs> yeah, they heard me say they were conceding too many, so they were like, you know what, we're gonna not concede and score more, uh, just to just to show that we're we're all business. But hey, they they move on uh, in the in the FA Cup, and man, that was I was getting notifications on my phone. I was like one, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six, seven. I'm like. No mercy over here. <laughs> but anyway, that, that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, YouTube, uh, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. So drop us a follow. Uh, and we will be back with a Dortmund review, hopefully uh, a positive result there, and then a Southampton preview this weekend. But until then, stay safe and up to Chels. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.